This is Paul Nobles from Eat a Form. I am sitting here with Chris Dietz. Um, Chris and I are both mostly in pajama mode. This is uh, one of our quick start classes, so he's probably got kitty tights on. And and if you were to see my, <laughs> if you could see me, we're actually recording this because we're going to talk about something that's coming up a lot that I've been doing with my programming, and a lot of people are fairly interested in it and so uh, what these are is these are our quick start classes and if you sign up to eat to perform you often get the option um, to join these quick start classes and so basically uh, if you you know if you're new to eat to perform these are classes that we do on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, you might have to drop the Tuesdays because uh, I'm guessing long term a lot of people aren't going to show up. But Thursday nights and Saturdays during the day, and then each perform coaches and I get together with you guys and walk you through the process because you know in general whenever you're kind of changing your lifestyle a bit, uh, it gets to be you know kind of confusing, overwhelming, those are the types of things that, that people say. And so we want to make sure to get people going in the right direction. Let's see. So we're going to just start with questions and then, you know, depending on how many questions we have and, and things of that nature, we'll go into some of the programming stuff that I, that I was talking about earlier, but I want to make sure that anybody that signed in is getting their questions answered as soon as possible. So Robin's asking, I'm having trouble cooking meals that will meet my macros that I will eat. I'm craving cheese and sugar sometimes and become uninterested in eating lean meats and veggies. They seem unappealing. I know I'm a fussy child at 56 years old. So I had a similar problem to you when I first started off. and. You know, I can't say that I have the answer for the path that you need to go, but I can say that I know some tools that you might not be aware of that um, that help me, right? One, um, the instant pots. Uh, you know, we've been steaming our vegetables like cauliflower and broccoli in those. A lot of the times, you know, in terms of like, you know, eating. Um, you know, foods that you might not normally like, you know, is just about preparation because, you know, if it's something that you don't like, you know, the idea of like, you know, taking 15 to 20 minutes to prepare something that you don't enjoy, that can be frustrating. Um, I also started juicing um, way back, way back when, you know, I, I, was notorious for saying you know I don't like eating vegetables and and things of this nature and juicing and when I say juicing I'm not talking about a lot of times people get into juicing and all of a sudden they're just basically drinking ice cream you know where they're juicing nothing but sweet fruits um, stuff like that I'm talking about like deep green type juicing and uh, that changed my palate Part of the reason why it changed my palate, though, and this is kind of my next part, is I was spending a lot of time juicing, 
And I started to realize, you know, making, getting micronutrients in um, a priority in my life. And what happened sort of mentally for me is, you know, I became an adult. You know, I quit eating like a child, you know, and um, I think that's what a lot of people that are coming from, like an overly convenient, you know, if, if you're hitting the drive through you know, three or four times a week, uh, you know, that's a lot of the problem that most people have is that they, they just, you know, they're, they're not embracing the struggle that all adults have, that you have to eat your vegetables, you know, I mean, we all knew this, right, since four years old, you know, you've been hearing this, uh, but when we speak to trying to get more whole foods in from the standpoint of you know micronutrient intake or vitamin intake it's pretty important you know especially right now uh, I think what you know and it doesn't really you know it doesn't really respond directly to foods necessarily but I've been taking vitamin D pretty religiously because without it, you know, I get, you know, almost some level of depressed. Now, you know, people that actually struggle with depression, I don't want to put myself in their box. But at the same time, when you're not getting an adequate amount of vitamin D, it has been known to mess with your brain chemistry and, and, and that can be a negative. So I could go, I really don't like these taking these pills, you know, it's not fun, you know. Not everything that you do ends up being fun. Some of it is going to be a task. Uh, you know, in the meal planning group this week, there was a hashtag, and I actually just wrote a post about it for Fast Food Friday. And my first thought, because, you know, a lot of new people come into the meal planning group, and what... I like to see is them to see positive type things and not really focus on uh, some of the things that we're only eating on occasion. So if you're familiar with Eat to Perform, basically you're eating mostly whole foods. On Friday nights, if you go have a glass of wine, we're not against that. It should just be part of the plan. So when somebody started posting Fast Food Friday, I was initially against it because I thought to myself, well, this is going to set up a bad paradigm for a lot of these new people who are kind of freaked out, overwhelmed, and confused in the first place. But I'm wrong on that one, right? Because when you think about, you know, Weight Watchers or Whole30 or any of these other really restrictive ways of eating, um, and I guess well, Weight Watchers isn't a restrictive way of eating, but what ends up happening is, uh, you know, a lot of people end up kind of decreasing their calorie intake and all of a sudden they're eating a diet of beer and nachos but only eating 1200 calories of beer and nachos and they're like hungry all the time and it hurts their adherence and then they quit and then all of a sudden they failed Weight Watchers rather than Weight Watchers failing them which in my belief Weight Watchers would have failed them in that instance because Weight Watchers is not being truthful you know if you eat you know a lot of energy energy dense foods in the end 
you're not going to get that satiated feeling. You're not going to um, keep your hunger signaling relatively low. And so when we take someone through um, a cutting cycle, we definitely have them focused more on, you know, more whole foods, more lean meats, you know, things that are sort of known um, will have them up their, their fats um, as, as a percentage. So those are all things. Robin also followed up and said she found love my mushy oatmeal, protein powder, cottage cheese, but lean meats and veggies. Yuck, I want to dive head first into a bowl of mac and cheese. I think that there are ways where you can have your cake and eat it too. As an example, uh, I like chili. And my chili is mostly um, meats and spices. Now, you know, a lot of people concern themselves with, with sodium. I kind of think sodium is a bit of a red herring. You know, I think that uh, for a lot of folks, you know, I mean, yeah, if, if, if you're having sausage five times a day, yeah, you should probably stop doing that. But in terms of something like, like chili, I mean, I exercise, right? So if I like chili, what I do is I have some white rice, I have my chili, and I might drink it with, you know, um, you know, a kombucha or something like that for a little bit of a probiotic effect. When I have steak, I'm going to have salad. Do I post that salad in the meal planning group? No, probably not. You know, not not most of the time. Uh, you, you know, nobody nobody wants to see a picture of of you know a deep green salad with ranch dressing. I, I think I think there's enough of that out there on the internet that we don't need to redo that one. Chris, do you have any thoughts on on you know? Because I I think Chris is actually much better prepared than I am on a daily basis. My 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 situation is probably very similar to yours, Robin, where I really make a lot of foods that I enjoy that are convenient for me. Like some of my staples are, are um, chicken sausage with uh, sweet potatoes, um, chicken with white rice with a little chicken broth, and uh, like I said, the, the chili, and then you know, if I'm feeling like my protein's a little low, you know, I'm pretty pretty big on, on steaks. I usually have steak twice a week at least. In my chili, I just like to point out that it's like 90-10, so I'm kind of keeping, and I do drain the fat. Um, I think that's one of the craziest things that people, you know, I mean, I'm not like anti-fats, but, you know, just like keeping fat in for no reason, that makes no sense to me. Um, because ground beef has a fair amount of fat already in it. Any thoughts on on what we're talking about in terms of trying to establish like some some better habits that allow for more uh, micronutrient intake? Um, my biggest thing is I, I try other than around my workout, like my pre and post. I try to get veggies in at every meal, um, even if it's just like a handful of something. Um, 
or or fruit if I if I'm not gonna do veggies. I try I try to do something, but um, as far as like the comfort foods, like she kind of she was saying that she feels when I hear people say they're craving things like cheese and sugar, like the first thing I think of is that, okay, somebody's having an energy problem. So that those cravings are gonna, they're gonna bite you in the rear. Um, once you spend some time being properly fed, those cravings tend to disappear a little bit and makes controlling those things much easier. Um, but then you can take that mac and cheese and you can find a way to fit it into your plan. Like you can have that for dinner, but you're going to have to make a concession, you know, in your earlier meals, um, things like that. Um, but I'm, I'm a lot like you too, Paul. Most of my meals are meat and veggies and then starches around my workouts. So, um, and I, I use a lot of different seasonings as well. Um, Mrs. Dash type, you know, things like that, or I make my own. Um, I do a lot of my own rubs and spices to keep things interesting, but, um, I guess that's kind of when I'm going to have something that I call a comfort food, I plan for it and eat appropriately the rest of the day to allow it. Well, I will say that I don't always plan for it, but usually it sort of works in the plan. I think all I always have sort of an overriding idea. And I think what Chris brought up was something that I did not bring up as I was talking when someone is constantly going to comfort foods, um, that might tell me that they're potentially under eating. If you're appropriately fed most of the time, this is actually one of the biggest things with Eat to Perform that shocks people, is that once they start eating an adequate amount for what they do, a lot of the cravings for you know that, that quick energy does sort of go away, you know, and then once, you know, I mean, this is actually on a psychological level. Um, I, I think it's sort of interesting when, you know, I, I bring this up a lot and there was a TED talk on addiction and I, I've shared it on the page and I share it a lot of the time is that the, the anecdote, you know, from a, from a research perspective for addiction is really um, kind of community and love and 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 building like a good support system around you and we could go you know you can google ted talk and addiction and this will be the first thing that that comes up and it's really interesting information because what the guy is talking about is that when you start to try and deny yourself something almost everyone fails like you know dieting uh you know sobriety you know all these different types of things when it's all or nothing almost everyone fails and the 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 percentages for successful dieting some percentages for successful um sobriety are incredibly low so much so that insurance companies way back when just said you know what we we're not paying for this you know this doesn't work if insurance companies paid for dieting they also wouldn't insure dieting because dieting the way that uh, most people do it doesn't work because they don't periodize how they do it they don't view it i think the other thing too robin that that's sort of important to this discussion is that, and, and you're seeing it a lot, you know, with, you know, the new year, 
people are really into the the beach body type stuff and and you know Sean T and you know all these kinds of things you know and they don't really want to do those things what they want to do is kind of pay a price you know almost to the point where you know you know they're they're exercising beyond their abilities and you know eventually that goes away and eventually you just fail and you go back to well you know I just don't have the kind of will that allows me to do that kind of work well who's got the will to do the kind of work that you don't like and ultimately isn't a lot of fun you know so you know and I'll talk a little bit more about that as I'm, I'm you know sort of talking about this new way of, of programming but essentially what I'm talking about with this new way of programming is you know can you fit something in your life does it work and does it help you meet your goals for myself you know exercise is that big of a priority in my life that you know I've seen the the benefits from a mental and health perspective and I just can't imagine not having activity as a priority in my life and then you guys go well, yeah but what about the whole fat loss thing well I mean you know I, I lost 80 pounds I mean fat loss was certainly a big priority for me you know I was mid 40th percentile but at some point you know you should set up your journey on what it's going to look like in the end and as I as my you know progress evolved you know my strategies have evolved and so what we're going to talk about you know with the programming here in a second um, is an example of how you know eight to ten years into the process you're still evolving the process so it looks a little bit more like what you want it to look like and you take the foundations that you sort of built on and then you make them better and better so I hope that helps Robin but at the end of the day Robin I think it is kind of bad news um, you know some of the the little tips you know if I'm ordering Chipotle you know I'm gonna order the the guacamole a lot of the time so I can get in some some healthy fats vegetables things of that nature um, you know in, in in terms of the greens you know I had someone reposted something about like one of these deep green mixes that you just get at at Cub Foods or whatever you know place that you buy it from and someone's like but they're in plastic that's the kind of mentality that stops people from actually being healthy because like what Robin's saying is I don't even want to eat this in the first place so why the hell am I going to to dig it out of the ground you know wash it puree it you know all these different types of things there's certain things that you just go okay if I have this conveniently ready for me like Chris is saying you know I could just take a handful eat it and that helps me from a micronutrient standpoint they're not calorically dense so you know I don't even you, do you record yours um, do, 
in your I have been lately yeah um, just so, so because I've been posting a lot of my links in the meal planning group but um typically no <laughs> yeah oh an entire bag of spinach is something like 30 calories or something like that so it's like yeah it, the, the big reason the big energy. yeah the big reason why you would is just to keep track of your fiber for the most part um if you're familiar with the concept of net carbs is you know vegetables tend to net out to almost no carbs at all which is one of the reasons why a lot of uninformed dieting plans say oh vegetables are great we agree vegetables are great but they're not great for the reason that they think they're great um, what they're trying to do is get you to eat as little as possible for as long as possible and then you know all i can say is hey good luck with that you know um we wouldn't exist if people you know succeeded at that and you know like tracy mann says you know the people that actually succeed with those types of plans um, they're more likely to recover from most forms of cancer and i think that that is a profound statement um, you know you need to have periods where you're eating an adequate amount for what you do the good majority of people want to pull off the band-aid as quickly as possible and then they want to um, eat all the foods that they enjoy and you know what we try to do is give you a plan that sort of meets in the middle where moderation is your new life and you know these extremes are actually the problem so Rosa saying I'm not getting any audio it just keeps saying the webinar will begin shortly I don't know what that is I think most people can hear us um, if you guys can't hear us let me know but we're not getting a lot of people saying what you're saying so I wonder if it's a technical problem on on your end we're not getting a ton of questions at this point so I am just gonna go into um, my new programming and just some of the adjustments that I'm making because people think that you know it's this really evolved system and you know I've got an abacus out and you know my abacus is is telling me let's see Kathleen says hello I've been waiting for 25 minutes not sure to start it yet first time doing this webinar thing so don't know how this works so Chris, I don't know if um, you can just go share the webinar, but apparently some people are having some issues. Just share it in the um, lifetime groups on Facebook, just to make um, things easier. Oh, you know what? <laughs> The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Oh my goodness, the uh, I so apologize to you guys. Apparently, I did not hit start broadcast, and so <laughs> <laughs> so we have recorded the first twenty-five minutes. You might have to to rewatch rewatch it, but uh, uh, I apologize for that. We, we did answer Robin's question. We did answer Robin's question. I don't think Robin heard it, though. So, no. <laughs> yes. So, so that'll be be interesting. But uh, so the first 25 minutes, you guys will be able to um, to 
rewatch, and it, it, and it, we we actually covered some pretty good topics in depth. So if you guys have any questions, definitely go ahead and, and get those out there. I'm gonna go ahead and and talk about the uh, programming that I've been doing lately, and so uh, we'll we'll kind of try to cover that in about 10 to 15 minutes and then as you guys have questions um, it doesn't need to relate to the program if it could be basically anything I will answer your questions at that point but we'll just start with this point and we'll go from there but I apologize I, I just did, I thought I hit start broadcast and did not so in terms of the programming that I've been doing, I was reading the book Living with a Navy Seal, where the guy, I think his name is Jesse Isner, he uh, hired a Navy Seal to live with him. He met this guy. I think it's sort of important to know why the Navy Seal was living with him. He actually doesn't really go over it in the book but he gives you clues that uh, of why you know he did it. But he was a runner um, and very into marathons and wanted to get more into ultra marathons. And so as he sort of explored this, now there's some backstory to Jesse. Um, I guess he was a big deal on MTV. I kind of don't remember it, but you know. MTV wasn't always a huge part of my life. I mean, certainly when I was like 18, it was. Um, so he might have been a big deal on, AT or, or on MTV. I, I just don't know. But he is one of the owners of Marquee Jet, which is something I am familiar with. Um, I actually should tell my, my private jet story going to the World Series of Poker because it's one of the funniest stories that I have, but I won't do it on this show. Uh, but basically what Marquee Jet is, is you buy like 25, um, it, it's like a, it's like a, it's almost like a credit card for jets. It costs about $100,000 for like 20, 25 of them. And so if you're entertaining clients and, and things of that nature, in a previous life, I was very familiar with Marquee Jets. Um, with Egypt Reform, not so much, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out long term. Uh, his wife, though, is probably more familiar to most of you guys. She is uh, Sarah Blakely, I believe is her name, and she owns Spanx. And uh, she's also kind of a motivational speaker type person and um, powering women type thing. And so, uh, so I think most people are probably familiar with her and her story out there. And so this guy lives with this Navy SEAL. And one of the things that, like right off the bat, I mean, it's a real short book, quick hitter. And the topic, what he's really trying to do, okay, is he's trying to get this guy as much volume in as he can in a short period of time. And at the very same time, I was sort of struggling with sleep, trying to get back into a regular routine. In case you hadn't figured it out, you know, 
this is kind of a busy time for Egypt Reform. There's a lot going on. We're trying to get a lot of pieces going all at once, so it's sort of stressful, difficult to sleep. Unfortunately, I had to uh, train for a competition, and that competition actually starts next Saturday. And so what I started to think about was, okay, I need to get my volume up, but you know, I'm, I'm sleeping sometimes five, five hours, you know, a night. And I've been sort of able to fix that a little bit um, in the last couple weeks. But, you know, if you've ever had any type of sleep issues, you know that it's kind of hit and miss. You don't, you don't just start sleeping eight hours a night. You know, some, some hour, sometimes you have nine hours sleep and then, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, you know, five hours again. That sucks. So I was trying to think to myself, well, how could I get in the volume? So I read this book and I was like, that's it. That's exactly what I need. So basically what this guy did for this Jesse guy in the book was they started running. Now, you got to remember that these guys are trying to do um, long endurance type stuff. I mean, like crazy long endurance stuff, you know, two day, you know, uh, 75 miles in the desert kind of stuff which isn't what a lot of us need but as I was reading it what I was coming up with was you know I internalized it for my current struggle and you know when you if you're struggling sleeping and you ask me should I go to the gym or take a nap I would tell you take a nap every single time and so I started thinking to myself well okay you know I'm struggling getting to the gym how can I try to get in volume you know a lot of times I would take a little bit of a nap and then I could get to the gym sometimes that didn't work out so what I started off was right off the bat they were talking about strict push-ups and so I started doing strict push-ups and I wasn't really kind of keeping track or anything like that. I would just drop and do 20, you know, um, throughout the day. And I was, you know, as I was doing it, I was like, this is brilliant. You know, I have the time to do this kind of stuff and I can do this without uh, a lot of energy and still get in volume. So, you know, as someone who was struggling with sleep at that time, you know, this was a good way to get in some level of exercise while I was trying to take the steps to, you know, make my sleep a little bit better. And, you know, full disclosure, you know, uh, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot, you know, within the science lab off topic, you know, one of the series that I do is, I think you kind of know, right? Let's be honest. I kind of knew that, you know, I was stressed out. I kind of brought in some bad habits. You know, I mean, I'd be working all day long and then it would get to be 10 o'clock and I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch a little TV. And in reality, I would have been better off. That's sort of how I actually came up with the solution because instead of watching TV, I started listening to audiobooks while I was falling asleep and that's ultimately led me to the path that I accidentally found this book 
Well, in the past, I had done something similar. One of the things that the Navy SEAL does for him is he'll have him run in the morning six miles, and then he'll have him run in the evening six miles, and then they eventually transition to uh, more miles as they went throughout the day. And I think that he was trying to get him to like 100 miles a week or something like that, which, of course, if you're going to run an ultramarathon, that's pretty important. Ultramarathons are not my thing, uh, you know, but training for a CrossFit competition, you obviously need to be proficient in pull-ups. You need to be proficient in airdyne sprints. You need to be proficient in, you know, air squats and all these different types of things. And so the way that I've structured my programming is to allow for pieces of my body to recover and it's sort of like this weird juxtaposition of what CrossFit looks like uh, and then, you know, bodybuilding. And, you know, the one, con the one thing that I constantly mention to people is that if you ever go to a prison, you see a lot of really ripped dudes and they don't have protein shakes. They eat poor quality food. Uh, they virtually every single thing that you could think of that is a negative that's what they're facing on a daily basis yet they're ripped and one of the reasons why they're ripped is because they can get in good volume if you're just new to fitness and you're just starting off and you're trying to because that's that's a little bit of what I was trying to do is introduce people I mean, obviously, my volume level is much higher than most people, but what I was trying to say is do what you can and start increasing your volume from there. So I'm not saying, you know, I'm doing, you know, 400 to 500 push-ups. You should also do that. You need to do whatever your graduated version of it. But volume always matters. And so if you're going to try and get in volume, then one of the ways to do it is to do this gradually throughout the day. And I have to say, I mean, I've been doing it for about two weeks now. I have not seen anything recently where um, my body composition changed so dramatically, you know, that quickly, right? And, you know, one of the things that, we often will say to people is go to failure upper body go to fatigue lower body when you're uh, trying to build lean tissue this does that um, it does it in a weird way though what happens is when you first start off now certainly you'll start to feel um, some level of uh, fatigue or failure early on, you know, especially if you're doing like high rep schemes, you know, something like 50 sit-ups as an example. By the time, you know, the way that the way that muscle activation works, and this is what you're ultimately trying to do, you know, and and I know that anybody listening to this, they're like, but I've got fat loss. You know, fat loss is the big thing. If we're talking about fat loss, you ultimately do want to keep the muscle that you have. So this is an answer to fat loss, right? Because you're, you're able to get in a lot of volume this way.
So when you do 50 sit-ups, it's almost like the first 30 to 40 don't count. Really, it's the next 10. But you, you need those 30 to 40 to get to the point of muscle activation so you can actually get to the point of you know, having enough volume where it matters. So people go, well, you know, how are you designing this? Well, you know, there's not huge design. Um, what I can say is, is that for air squats, you know, doing a thousand, I mean, you can bang on your quads, you know, you can bang on your glutes. Those are big muscles. So you can get in a thousand reps doing that type of stuff. When I did a thousand lunges, people were like, you're not going to be able to walk. Mm, you know, people kind of want you to fail at stuff. I don't know if you guys experienced this, but like people, you know, when you're, you know, trying, you just start CrossFit. Your friends don't want to hear about you CrossFitting because it serves as a representative of all the shit that they don't do, right? And so whenever you're doing something hard, I mean, we could even kind of equate it to dieting, really. You know, um, when you start, you know, eating less, you know, your friends don't want to hear it. You know, they're going out, you know. And so this is a little bit of what, what we're sort of talking about. Did it hurt? Absolutely it hurt. You know, did it hurt to sit down you know, in the next two days, yeah, it did. But my body recovered really quickly. And, you know, next time I do lunges, guess what's going to be happening? I'm going to be doing 1250, you know, or something that's like a progression from that. But, you know, what I'm trying to do is just kind of uh, vary the exercises. So rather than just doing lunges every single week, um, you know, the, the next week I did air squats and then, um, my next week I'm going to do split squats, which I don't, I don't know that split squats, we'll, we'll see what the volume is. Sometimes I adjust the volume as I realize, oh, the, this isn't as bad as I thought it would be. The first week I did, uh, strict, uh, pull-ups. I was doing them five at a time and did 240. Uh, I did adjust the next week when I did chin-ups. I switched to chin-ups and, and ring dips um, just because, one, my grip uh, was a limiting factor as I started to get to like the 240 and, you know, I just didn't need my hands hurting for the next three or four days. So these are the types of things that you you know, should think about, you know, as you're sort of designing this stuff for yourself. Um, so I switched to a couplet, and that's probably what I'll do for a lot of stuff. Like as an example, um, rather than doing, you know, um, a thousand sit-ups, you know, yesterday I ended up doing a combination of flutter kicks, which gives you a little bit more activation on the lower ab side and then um, sit-ups so how I did it was is basically I was going to do 20 reps or 20 sets I'm sorry and one set was sit-ups or one set was flutter kicks so whatever combination 
that I ended up doing. I ended up doing, I think, 1,500 flutter kicks and then only about 250 um, sit-ups because I started to get kind of the CrossFit kiss um, thing going on with the sit-ups. I don't know if you guys... Chris, do you know what I'm talking about with the CrossFit kiss? You no. get like a rash, you know. Um, it, it, it seems to happen more... Um, with the fierce wom booty people than the 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 people that yeah like Robin saying it's an ass blister, um, and I remember I remember the first time that it happened to me. My wife wasn't doing CrossFit at that point, and so you know I went and you know took a shower. That's usually like the first time you notice it. Um, so you take a shower and all of a sudden, you know, the water hits that area of your body and then it hurts. So, you know, I get out of the shower and, you know, I say to my wife, you know, like, can you tell me what's going on here? And she's like, what the hell happened to you? You know, and, you know, it, it, it's basically like I said, you know, it was it didn't get to like blister part, but it was just like really almost like a, a rash. So I guess, you know, what I'm really saying to everyone is that, you know, I was using it as a way of training for this competition. Now, I don't think I'm going to blow away this competition by any stretch of the imagination, but I had to get in workouts. It was like not an option to not work out because then that would have been much worse. My sleep has sort of regulated. I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that you know you get into like this cycle where your sleep is bad so therefore you're not feeling you know even 40 percent so you don't go to the gym and it sorts sort of sets up this kind of bad rhythm that plays on itself and so that's something to think about and this is one way to sort of combat that because there have been times since then you know, as my sleep has started to get a little bit better, where, uh, you know, I have had five, six hours, and I knew that I was going to probably, you know, take a nap, but I still, you know, I still needed to get in that volume. And so I was able to get in, you know, six to eight sets, you know, of whatever it is that I was doing, then I would take a nap, and then finish off the next 12 or something like that. One of the things that, uh, you know, I'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, when I do lunges or split squats or something like that, one of the things that I typically do is I just hammer one leg rather than switch legs. Um, split squats, that's sort of normal because you wouldn't, you know, if you're not familiar with a split squat, you're basically, you're putting your foot up on a bench and sort of dipping down. You can Google it. Um, you know, a lot of times people will do them weighted. Uh, you know, I think most people, well, what I'm trying to emphasize to people right now, and let me shut my uh, browser, otherwise Facebook could go, go a little nuts. I'm so, sort of surprised it hasn't up to this point. But when you're doing exercise like this, the temptation is to add kettlebells or add, you know, dumbbell work or, or something like that. When, 
you know, if you don't have that kind of stuff available, your body does work as some level of resistance. And so um, volume will help that. And so, uh, you know, like I said, you know, if I was to do 100 push-ups, you know, I could bang those out. But, you know, doing 500, you know, you get more muscle activation. I did kind of get a little distracted when I was talking about, you know, why you go to higher reps, you want to get to muscle activation. I can tell you that as you go throughout the day, your muscle activation is more acute. And so by the time you get to, you know, that 350th rep or 300th rep or something like that, it doesn't take you 30 to 40 reps to get to muscle activation. And so, you know, when I do like the push-up sets the very next day, you know, I'm much more swole. You know, my, my muscles are uh, more um, inflamed. And so, you know, it, it tends to be a, a fairly good look, you know, and, and you really sort of need, you know, your body's not going to try and create you know, new blood vessels and new capillaries and new tissue, you know, without an acute, you know, um, reason to do so. And so that's what ultimately I'm trying to do. Any thoughts on, on what I'm saying, Chris? Because I, I, I think that, you know, the way that you train from a powerlifting standpoint, there's a lot of what I'm talking about, you know, that relates to to your cycles as well yeah volume is king you got to get it in in the way you can i mean if you're going to build new muscle you've got to get that volume um i i train fairly similarly from a powerlifting standpoint is i'm trying to get as much um volume in in at a recoverable recoverable weight from session to session but as heavy as I can go at the same time to try to build that volume up um, from one session to the next or from one cycle to the next, I should say. So let me ask you a question because one of the things that I know that I struggled with when I first started powerlifting was I was just banging on my CNS, you know, because part of lifting heavy, you know, you really have to like have heavy weights in your hands. And so you know, as someone who's not, a, you know, not scared of volume, you know, I was worn out, you know, physically and mentally. And so how do you adjust for that? Because I think that that's an important lesson for people. I think I know the answer, but I'd like to hear how you do it. Um, adjust for the volume? Well, okay, so, so basically you're doing one reps right mm-hmm. you do one rep you know at 550 600 pounds you're not going to necessarily want to get in a bunch of volume after that given mm-hmm. the amount of stress so how do you periodize that so you're not constantly at peak stress levels and you know so talk about that a little bit Okay. Um, I do a combination of things. Um, 
my training is based around RPE, which is rate of perceived exertion. Um, and then it's also kind of founded in submax training where I'm not training. I honestly don't do one or max all that often. I'm usually doing sets of fives, sets of eights. And then that for my main lift of the day, um, which let's say it's squats one day, I'll work up in either eights, fives, or threes until I get to a max where I think I could have gotten one or two more reps. And then I do a down set for a few more. Um, I'll drop about 10 to 20% off the bar and do three more sets of five or three more sets of eight, whatever I have programmed that day. So um, for people, hold on one second, Chris, for people that are listening that aren't familiar with like advanced training techniques, all a down set or drop set is, is, um, is where you take a weight and you're now, after doing that max weight, you're doing reps at a lower percentage. And a lot of times, it, you know, I don't remember which one's the, the least one. I always get that one confused. But I believe that a drop set is, is you would go down to like 60%. And then a down set would be something like 30% where you're really trying to get kind of that muscle inflammation and you're really focusing on more hypertrophy or muscle building type work. So I just wanted to introduce that real quick. Yep, yep. So like I, I get that that top set for the day, and then I'll take about 10 to 20% off the bar and do three more sets at that weight. And then I shift into a secondary lift. So like if I'm doing squats, my secondary lift might be um might be deadlifts um to work on my hamstrings, or it might be front squats or something like that. And then I'm only using like 60% and going for sets of three to 10. So now my intensity has come way down. The stress has come way down and I'm building more of my volume through my assistance work um, by doing things that will build my main lift, if that makes sense. And then I'll do something similar for bench day. Um, well, I'll do a bench and then I'll do a variation of, um, and as I'm going through my, most of my sets after the main lift are going to be in the 10, 12, 15 at like 60%, which is a really recoverable um, percentage as far as my body stress is concerned. If, if I've got my training, my nutrition, right, which I do, and then if I got my stress and my sleep managed, um, those three things will help me adapt to that volume and, and I can recover from one session to the next. But the way I have it set up with the RPE, um, with sets of eights, fives, and threes, instead of building up to those singles week after week after week, that sub-max training is is really what allows me the best recovery because I'm not working in you know 90% range every week. I'm not crushing my CNS. So if you're listening to this, you know, and like I said, we recorded this because you know there's been a lot of questions about you know what I've been talking about and how I'm sort of setting this up. And the reason why I had Chris explain his part and related to my part is that volume matters. So if you're a woman and you're listening to two dudes talking about volume, you're like, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm trying to lose fat. What we're saying is, is that if you're in a deficit period, as an example, Volume is going to keep muscle, therefore you're going to lose more fat in that process. Also, uh, when you're coming out of a dieting cycle, which you know we we do real well, you know a lot of other places don't do all that 
that well and people feel sort of painted in a corner using those those things hopefully um, we can make an impression and those people end up joining us and doing our thing because it's really the only long-term sustainable way to actually um, see fat loss over time you have to normalize your calories at some point is what we're saying and uh, but what's interesting about this change is that I'm fairly certain that I'm going to continue after my competition. I am going to um, spend a little bit more time you know, doing some hit early in the week. I think I'm probably going to uh, you know, just cut off all my training around Wednesday. And you know, at that point, it sort of is what it is, right? You know, I'm not expecting to blow away this competition. I mean, I'm not that good of a CrossFitter no matter what. Um, but I'm not going to blow away this competition, uh, you know, in any way, shape, or form. But what is going to happen is I'll be a little bit more proficient based on the volume that I was able to do. I also have a teammate. You know, she's a she's probably a little bit better at CrossFit than I am, so so hopefully she'll be able to carry a lot of the load at that point. But uh, you know, I have my skills. You know, like Chris, uh, Chris and I competed in a competition in August uh, or September, I think, and uh, you know, we all had our moments. You know, so that was that was sort of a fun thing, and I think every CrossFit competition sort of has that out there. So as you're sort of designing you know, a way to get in volume, you know, and, and you think to yourself, well, you know, could I do this in my cubicle? I don't know if you could do this in your cubicle, but could you do it in a conference room? You know, uh, just bang out 20 reps every hour on the hour, right? I mean, just do what you can because I think that that matters a lot, you know, trying to get in the volume. Part of the problem that I think people run in with, with CrossFit in general and why they, they, they don't see success long-term from a body composition standpoint is that if you're continuously doing 15 to 20 minute workouts, you know, yeah, you, you could potentially get better at those 15 to 20 minute workouts. And, and you, you do typically early on, right? Like you progress, the progress is unbelievable in the beginning, but you know, seven, eight years into your journey, you have to get more specific. And the way that you do that is to get more volume in. And so you can get better at those exercises and then ultimately get better at CrossFit. So when you look at Rich Froning and why he's so good at, you know, what he's doing and, and things of this nature, Rich Froning works out six days a week. If you looked at what I designed and you co compared it, to what Chris designs, that's how Rich Froning works out every single day, you know? And so you have to sort of figure out, you know, what can I do that's going to help me with volume and ultimately help me get better at exercise? Because getting better at exercise is going to be the biggest thing as it relates to metabolic rate and all these different types of things. So Robin's saying, Awesome idea and greatly improves your work productivity. Yeah, you know, actually, you know, I have to say, like, uh, throughout the day, you know, you'll often feel kind of, 
you know, you'll drag throughout the day. Well, after doing, you know, uh, 50 sit-ups, you know, you tend to get a little bit more motivated to be in front of the computer, and at least that's been my experience. So we haven't had a lot of questions this time, but we did cover a lot of ground. Unfortunately for you guys, we didn't start the broadcast. Uh, you'll have to listen to the recording. I'll try and get that up as soon as possible so you guys can do that. But we did cover some good ground there. So I appreciate everybody being here. If you have any questions that we didn't address, you can go ahead and bring those to the Quick Start Forum. And we'll kind of, you know, Chris will be on the lookout for those. So I appreciate everybody being here and have a great weekend. Talk to you later. And Chris is saying goodbye too. <laughs>